Coming up on this episode of AARP's Perfect Scam. This man disrespected me in every way possible. He was playing on my heartstrings. He, he, he took me for every penny. Online romance is a hallmark of modern life, connecting lives, making sparks, and unfortunately, in many cases, creating victims. On today's episode, you'll hear the story of a woman who was just looking to meet someone and ended up giving away a lot more than just her heart. We'll tell you all about how these scammers operate and what to look out for. I'd like to introduce my co-host and AARP's Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, thanks again for joining us. Good to be with you, Will. Thanks. It must be nice to be an ambassador. That's a good title to have in addition to your other titles. Yeah, and one another... Somebody I never impersonated, but I <laughs> well, you bring up actually a good good point, and I've been meaning to ask you: Were there ever any uh, professions or impersonations impersonations that you did not do that you thought about, or that maybe you you, you could have done but didn't get around to? Uh, no, people always ask me why you didn't impersonate a priest. I said, well, there was no money in doing right, it. <laughs> right, maybe taking. Uh, yeah, taking the, the, uh, the, the money. Yeah, service, I think, again, as we discussed, it. most of my impersonations had some meaning for purpose to them, whether the pilot to get cash checks or whether it fell into the doctor or the lawyer. They all were things that I didn't premeditate, so there weren't things that I thought I was going to do. So I don't think there was anything I would have liked to impersonate it and hadn't done. You mentioned the doctor, and that's a great story. Uh, you're in Atlanta. Uh, can you tell us about that when you got to the apartment complex where you were renting an apartment? And all of a sudden, you you took on this new guys. Yeah, actually, that was the Riverbend Apartments in Atlanta. They're still there, but they're condominiums now, still called the Riverbend. So Steven Spielberg actually had to have their permission. So at the end of the credits, it says permission from Riverbend Apartments. Got it. And that's kind of a swinging scene yeah, in, in the, the movie. Time it's it was, like there's uh, a lot of young people partying. Yeah, because back in the day, those were singles complex. So you could, you could only live there if you were single. Later on, the courts ruled that you can't discriminate against people in apartments. So those kind of went away. But in their day in the 60s, in the late 60s, early 70s, that was a swinging place to be. Everybody was single and mostly professional people. And this particular apartment complex, a lot of airline uh, people and flight attendants. That was another reason I didn't want to do the pilot because I was afraid I'd start running into people who might be a little suspicious that I wasn't the pilot. So that seems I'm, like one of the biggest hazards of impersonating somebody is running into too many people. That too many people. Do that. And, and that's kind of what happened at Riverbend because I basically had gone there and when I was filling out the application, it asked me a profession and occupation. And I started to write airline pilot. But the two things that entered my mind was, one, there were a lot of airline pilots that lived there and flight attendants. And two, uh, they were looking for me as the the pilot. So I thought I need to come up with something else. So I just wrote down the word doctor, never pursuing it to go any further. But I had a very inquisitive apartment manager and said, oh, I see here you're a, a doctor. And I said, yes. And so what type of doctor are you? And so I said, said medical doctor. And then I quickly said, "You, however, I'm not practicing medicine right now. I left my practice out in Los Angeles to come to Atlanta to invest in some real estate I have. And then she asked me what type of doctor was. And I said, pediatrician, because I knew it was a singles complex. There were no children there. And I thought that would be pretty safe. But of course, I moved in and I ended up meeting a real <laughs> pediatrician who lived there right. and befriended him and uh, got to know him. And then he would take me up to the hospital to meet other people. So you find yourself learning a little bit of the jargon to carry on the conversation, be able to answer where you go to school and questions like that. But you must have had to steer clear of, of getting too detailed too, about too the de- work, right? Yeah, like, hey, hey, Frank, how would you deal with this this problem? Absolutely. Or, or, yeah, okay. Absolutely. And so... 
You know, I, I was always smart enough to know that you can carry these impersonations so far, yeah. uh, but sooner or later someone's going to file. So people used to ask me why you were the lawyer. No one ever detected you were not the lawyer. Uh, you had passed the bar one. You stay on just being the lawyer. Well, you can only get away and fool people for so long, and sooner or later someone's going to find out. So someone might start getting inquisitive. And, you know, when you're a, when you're a con man, you, you live a chameleon existence, but you have to get along with everybody. So even if you're somebody you don't like, you have to purposely make an effort to get along with them because the minute someone doesn't like you, they start to find fault in you and they start to quiz and be suspicious of you. So that's where you start to get the thing. So you went to Harvard. Uh, who was your professor in such and such? And did you know so and so? Those are the kind of things that start happening and you don't have the answers to those I would just fake uh, stomach pain at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so it's, a, it's, it's a very hard life to live is what I'm getting at. It's you awful. can't go impersonate someone all your life because right. you're going to have always people who don't like you and they're going to look for fault in you and thus they're going to start being suspicious of you. I'm thinking more about this ambassador impersonation, though. It would be a good one if you could go to another country and somehow uh, take on the guise of an ambassador and, and I don't know, live, well, a, live a, a, a wealthy life. Wealthy life and wouldn't be a hard job. Just go around shaking hands. Yeah, right. It's the perfect – so if anyone's out there thinking – no, I'm just joking. Please don't do that. On this episode, we're going to introduce our listeners to a woman who is looking for a connection online and maybe even something more. Tracy's story underscores how scammers have a special power over their targets when the scams involve the heart. Hello? It's Will at AARP. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay, thank you. Tracy's husband passed away in December 2014, and after a few years, she decided to try her luck online. I went on to a dating site and um, found or came across this one gentleman. I sent him a little how you do and what have you. And he, in turn, responded. And um, we go on from there, talking back and forth on his so-called home and business line. Were there other people that you were talking to as well that you liked, or has this guy become sort of the one that seemed like maybe he's a, he's a match? He was the, the one. Okay. You know, that, uh, you know, because he told me all about himself. He sent all kinds of information as to what he likes, what he does, um, you know, he's right-handed with this and left-handed with that. And um, he in the, had explained that he had um, his late wife. He met his wife in, uh, when he was in college here because he was born in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. And um, he met her. They got married, had two daughters. However, she was killed in an automobile accident and um, along with the two daughters. And he's been alone for quite some time. So... Um, you know, that didn't impress me in any way. However, being vulnerable, as I was told I was, um, you know, uh, having someone talk to you and, um, you know, just l sort of like um, give themselves to you, uh, you know, in words and expressions. We were talking on the phone. We were writing emails. <laughs> Tracy's connection with this man continued for a while, until finally the plot thickens and his story takes on a rather unique turn. He had told me that uh, he had put in a bid to um, leave the country. And, um, you know, I said, well, what day are you going? And when he told me, I said, oh, that was the day I was planning on hoping to meet you. And um, what I did was I went online to see what airline he could have picked up from 
um, Newark or New York, going to Egypt uh, or uh, even a stopover, and I could not find anything. And what what made you? What prompted you to do that? Um, just out of curiosity's sake, I guess. Um, you know, I just wanted to find out uh, because most of the time when I asked him a question, he had told me he would always answer the question, but um, every question I asked was always um, with a backlash of, why do you need to know that, and what, wh- how is that important, and, uh, you know, wh- what's going on? So you felt like he he was open and relatively honest, but there was also part of you that maybe was a little curious and maybe suspicious? True. Okay. But I did do a background check on him, and um, Spokio came up with all of the information on him as he had explained. Had you done, did, did you do a background check um, before he left the country, or was that as things, as he started asking for money, or later on? Uh, later on. Yeah. Later on. Let me back up, uh, and, and I'll try to remember to get back to where you are now. But he had, along the line, once he was overseas, come up with excuses for you to send him to send him cash. Yes, he he used the excuse that the um, the country would not accept his credit cards. Uh, he could not use an ATM card. Um, and being a non-citizen of the country, he wasn't able to go to a bank there and withdraw any money um, or get a cash advance without with the credit cards and what have you. Um, it got to a point of where I had to send money by Western Union, and then it also went by um, MoneyGrams. Right. Did you feel at this time when that was all going on, and I'm correct me if this is wrong, I, I sort of imagine you being caught up in this, what felt like a romance, and also helping someone out who you potentially yes, ca- I, cared about. I, I, really thought, I really thought that I was doing something good because, um, you know, even though it was uh, really extensive, um, uh, I thought I was helping him out. He he really got a hold of me uh, emotionally, and um, uh, you know he was like crying for help, always crying for help. And I thought, well, you know, here's a guy who's down and out in another country, and he can't get home because they keep on taking away his passports, uh, you know, and he didn't have the proper paperwork. He supposedly was supposed to be working, and then something happened to his tools. He left them in a cab, filled out a police report, and then he needed to um, rent tools because uh, he claims he was an electronical engineer, only to find out later on, after all of this transpired, I called the Better Business Bureau for New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, and I found out that he was not in either New York or, New Jer- or uh, Connecticut, and his name of the company was not listed in New Jersey. But the woman did ask me, what phone number did he give you? And I, I told her what the phone number was, and she said, I just want to let you know he's a very, 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 very bad man. Oh, my God. So they, they knew about him, and was she able to I, give you any more details about him? Well, she told me he's not an electrical engineer. He's no. a construction worker. So eventually you, you, you realized this guy in Egypt and elsewhere, he left the country. He was, 
he was uh, asking you for more money, and you spent, what would you say on, on, on this guy? Are you willing to share? The whole total came to $139,000. Wow. So that that's not a small amount of money. As no. I'm, yeah. It was personal money, and it was um, uh, a small loan, uh, borrowed money from friends, and all cash advances. Is it safe to say you were completely caught up? for a while in this story? Yes. Yeah. Is it hard to talk about? Um, at times, but I'm, I'm okay with it. You sound like you are, and I'm glad. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've gotten over the, the crying period. I was clinging on hope that he, he was for real. I really was. Did you feel like that you were in love? Not necessarily. Uh, I, I, I felt a, a connection, but... Um, uh, I felt more like I, he needed help, and he said he didn't have anybody to help him. He had no family, so um, I was there for him. Toward the end, after Tracy had shelled out more and more money for a man she'd never met, he asked her to go to an Apple store and buy thousands of dollars of products. And sometimes they were very specific requests. Did he give you a like a shopping list, in other words, to go to Apple with and just pick up? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. What kind of stuff? I had to buy rose-colored co- uh, um, phones and rose-colored um, laptops, uh, the, the Mac Pro, the Apple Mac Pro, and, um, uh, gosh, uh, the one total came to $4,172 and change, and the other one was $4,810 and change. And he specified the color. Oh, Yes. Yes, it had to be this color. You're able to talk about this all very um, calmly. It, it sounds like a really humbling experience. Yeah, you have to eat crow. You have to eat crow. Um, I explained certain things to my mother, but um, did not tell the rest of the family the amount of money I spent because my one sister disowned me. That sounds really, really hard. You sound like a, a lovely woman, and I hope you don't have to eat crow for much longer. Four years. I, it, it's going to take four years to repay the credit card companies. And you, you're doing your best, it sounds like, to, to put things back together. When you think back on this guy who you, 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 know, you had a voice to put with him, uh, what feelings come up for you? Drastic. Him ruining my life, taking advantage of me, and, um, uh, you know, uh, making me a fool. This man disrespected me in every way possible by scamming me out of every penny I had. Tracy eventually contacted the Federal Trade Commission, the state attorney general, local police, and even the FBI not contact me unless they get a hold of them. Then they will bring them to justice. It's hard to imagine getting caught up in something like this, wiping out savings, taking out loans, borrowing money, all to help out someone you've never met. It's heartbreaking to listen to Tracy, and it might be easy to scoff at how she got sucked in, but you have to try and put yourself in her shoes, a widow living alone, making a connection and someone on the other end of the line who's very, very good at taking other people's money. He was playing on my heartstrings. He, he, he took me for every penny. 
Frank, Tracy's story has probably a ton of red flags, um, but we also want to make sure we note that how much we appreciate these people coming forward and talking to us about these things. Uh, It does help other people who might be going through something similar. Um, So I want to mention that. Absolutely. I think it's great. And I think that, you know, as I always say, anybody can be scammed. Anybody can be ripped off, no matter how intelligent they are. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. These people are experts at doing this. They're very persuasive. They have things that make you believe what they're telling you is the truth. Uh, So, again, if you're a victim of this, just like she did, you it's better to talk about it and tell someone so they don't become a victim of it and learn from somebody else's mistakes. You know, as you get older, you realize that you always learn by other people's mistakes. If you don't, uh, then you have a you have a problem. Um, I I would assume that her sister, but based on what she said, is that her sister probably was being a confident. Her she was telling her sister all these things, and her sister kept telling her, "Don't send this man any money. Don't give this man any more money. Don't do this." And she kept doing it. And out of frustration, the sister just really got mad. And I'm sure the sister will come back because she's her sister, but obviously got very mad. And you hear a lot about that where someone may say, "I won this Mercedes on a sweepstakes game. I have to pay this money." But they keep paying money, and the family's going, Dad, you paid more money than the Mercedes cost. You could go out and buy the Mercedes. Why right. do you keep sending this money? And it gets very frustrating for the family members where they almost say, you know, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you're not acting rational and all that. So that's probably what happened with her sister. Right. I mean, you have actual instances, like you say, of, of family members just sort of, you know, beating on people saying, look, don't send any more money. Don't, right. you know, and this they, guy is a fraud. This guy's a scam. But people are so deep into something. Uh, and caught up that it's hard to get out of that moment. Right. And the rose-colored computer and lap, uh, iPhones and laptops, yeah. uh, that was just him selling that over there. So okay. he's telling someone, I can get that for you. And they sell for a lot more over there than she was paying So not uncommon that he's asking for specific no, right. products? Yeah. You've heard of- yeah. He's selling those. And I said to him, can you get me a rose-color this, rose-color that, and I can get that for you. And he was getting her to buy it, and then he was selling it and getting the money. And as we've heard with romance scams, uh, it, it sounds and seems like this guy's putting a ton of time into this one instance, but he's got She's more. one of many. Yeah. Again, as we always say, uh, it's it seems like a lot of time and a lot of effort, but they're working so many different scams. Kind of like a salesman who says, I have nine deals out here. I'm working each deal every day. Yeah. I'm having to put all this effort in and hoping to close these deals. It's the same thing. He's hoping to close on all of these things, but he's working all of these nine, ten different women uh, at a time, and each are bringing him money. So it's not just the money she gave him. It's the money all these other people are giving him at the same time. She talks about Spokio and background checks. Uh, how much can that do for somebody if you look uh, online? And those aren't checks? real. Those are not really effective because you can manipulate those. You can provide information. It's like saying you have a company and you have a Dun and Bradstreet report with them. Well, whatever you tell them is what Dun and Bradstreet reports. So uh, that's kind of like those sites. So if I was really in that position. I would have gone to a private uh, security firm, a private investigator, and did a background check because she, for the very small amount of money versus what she paid, uh, she could have hired a firm and they could have given her an accurate of who this is and this is this person's background, this is their history, whether they've ever been arrested, not been arrested. But that would have been factual information, not just information he supplied as part of the background. So you see a lot of that online, whether you look up a phone number or a person that maybe you dated 20 years before and you're wondering where they are today uh, right. or, or whatever people are doing out there. Uh, you then can find a phone number, but then you'll see a lot of ads for you want to learn more, you know, pay this much money to learn more. Yeah, but th- they really don't 
don't have a lot of information. And right. if you're a scam artist and you're doing something like he's doing, the first thing you would do is make sure you're setting up a background, knowing that people nowadays can Google your name. They can check things out about you. They can find things out about you online. So in that case, you want to then put out false information about yourself that I work for this company. I've been with this company this many years. And those uh, online services, those they pick up on that information. But again, it's self-serving. It's provided by the scam artist. So that if someone does a little background check, through those type of sites, that's what they're only know. And they're only going to see what they wanted him for them to see. Where through a private security company, a reputable company, they would have actually done a thorough background check and certainly would have saved her a lot more money than she gave him. So the sort of amateur googling and checking on people that that people are able to do without spending any money. Uh, I mean, it's rife with with problems, sure. right? I mean, Google's great. But it's also it can right. lead you astray. As we talked on another episode about LinkedIn, I'm providing that information. I'm telling you that uh, I worked at this company and I'm vice president. I've worked at this other company. I graduated from this college. This is why a lot of people are a little leery there because I associate with you only because you're a very well-known person in your field. So I tell you that I want to associate with you on LinkedIn. Because then people who see my name associated with you assume that you and I are friends or we're business associates when you've actually never met me. You don't know a thing about me, but it gives me instant credibility. So a lot of these things are manipulated for the use of the person who's using it. Is there much we can do uh, to manage the profile we have online in terms of how what comes up when people search our names or you know, if we have a Facebook account? What, what can we do if we want to start cleaning stuff up? Well, you need to try to get your name off a lot of those sites. There is a company in San Francisco called Reputation.com. Mm-hmm. And for a small fee, they go online to where all your name is used, your social security numbers, dates of birth, information, where they are legally allowed to remove it uh, from sites that social media sites and things like that, they remove it. Uh, and it's it's a small fee. Uh, you know, you can't remove it from government agencies and federal agencies and uh, things like that. But they get rid of it a lot where you don't want your name popping up all the time, information uh, about you. You know, it's kind of amazing how much information is out there. Even, I mean, if you go to uh, even Wikipedia and you put my name in, I mean, over in the right corner, it gives you my date of birth. It tells you where I was born. It tells you my wife's name. It tells you my uh, children's names. Uh, you know, it gives you all of that information. And even my wife, who has never been on any social media, she's never uh, really been in any kind of media whatsoever. Uh, you can Google her name and it says she's married to me. So, well, I mean, you know, it's right. just, I mean, so there's all this information out there. The question is, how accurate is that information? And most of the time it's, it's not very accurate or it's what the person who's providing the information wants you to believe. Right. So there's not a lot we can do to to fully disappear no, online. And, I mean, and your too, name is actually a little more recognizable right. than, than my last name. Because actually, we've got so. way too much information out there. I always say that if five years ago, if you said to me, Frank, there's this guy in northeast Georgia. He's a carpenter, but he doesn't really do a lot of work. He lives in a small town, about 8,000 people. He's never been in the newspapers. He doesn't have a lot of friends. Can you Google him? I said, well, no, I'm not, probably not going to come up with anything. But today, that's not the case. Today, the truth is, and this is the honest truth, if, you, if I know your last name and I have your zip code, there's nothing I can't find out about you. I just need those two pieces of information. Your last name, last name and zip code. zip code. Even if it's Smith yeah, because, yes, or Johnson. Because there is way too much information out there. And every piece of information 
leads to another piece. So if I see on LinkedIn that you graduated from University of Maryland, I go to the yearbook the year you graduated online because I want to see who you befriended at the University of Maryland. Maybe the woman you married, now I have her maiden name because uh, you married her at, while you were at school. I mean, every piece of information leads to another article, some clipping about you. I know every bankruptcy, every judgment you had against you, every lien that was a public domain. I mean, it's so easy to find out that information. Which could be useful for identity theft uh, right. Or for just making a phone call and convincing somebody that you know a lot about them. Right. You know, identity theft people, I wrote about it back in 1988 and people said to me, how do you know about the crime? I said, well, no, it was a crime in 88. There were no computers or no emails or no laptops. But in back in the, the day, criminals would basically read in the newspaper that Robert Johnson was named Home Builder of the Year. So they'd read the article and it said that Robert Johnson 10 years earlier filed bankruptcy. So they'd go down to the federal bankruptcy court, microfish out a copy of their bankruptcy, which is public record, and they had his wife's signature, his signature, his date of birth, her date of birth, his social security number, her social security number, and they stole their identity. The only difference today is you can do that from 1,000 miles away on your laptop. You don't have to go down to the bankruptcy court, sit there and microfish out. So technology has just made it a lot easier, a lot faster, and certainly a lot more global. And we continue to put out a lot of uh, information. I'm glad we finally got a mention of the microfish into this, into this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> for, those, for those who are younger and uh, right. don't know what that is, Google it or do some research. You'll figure it out. Uh, but it, it used to be the way we did right. a lot of research. research. So just to clarify, there's steps you can take. You mentioned reputation.com is a place to go work on getting yourself off of social media in any place where you can legally disappear. But as far as like really going off the grid and disappearing, it, it, almost impossible. Almost impossible in the too much information world that we live in today, because even if you remove your name from all these things, if it was even feasible to do so, uh, it's just going to resurface again because you're going to do something that's going to resurface your right. name. Right. Uh, and, and it'll come up and then people will pick up on that and that will bring up other information or connect to some other piece of information. So it truly this is why criminals who escape from prison or something, they go try to change their name and go live somewhere else, eventually some piece of information brings you back to that that individual because we absolutely, truly live in a way too much information uh, world. It's hard to be on the lamb or live as like a hermit these days. You could, absolutely. Someone can find out anything about you if they really want to. Frank Abagnale, he's added uh, ambassador to his resume. He is the AARP Fraud Watch Network team ambassador. Thanks a lot. Thank you. If you or someone you know has been a victim of a scam, please call AARP's Fraud Watch Network helpline at 877-908-3360. All right, I'd like to thank our producers, Julie Getz and Brooke Ellis, our audio engineer, Julio Gonzalez, and of course, my co-host, Frank Abagnale. And be sure to subscribe, download, rate, and of course, like our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about, whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. 
This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today.